Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, August 11th. My name, of course, with the weird introductions and sounding out of things is Javier Reyes, your host of the podcast. That's right. Check out and follow my Twitter page, which is at Javapeno, which is J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Or, of course, most importantly, check out the Lockdown Padres Twitter account, which is L-O underscore Padres. And if you guys would do me a favor and also check out the Locked On Podcast Network. It just launched a new feed for kind of the whole network in general. That's a really cool Twitter account. So go check out that one. And also, also, as usual, I've said, I say this every episode, but feel free to hit me up on there with any questions you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them maybe here on the show. Definitely going to be putting out a, a call out, the bat signal, or the fryer symbol, I guess you could call it, uh, for maybe some questions for a future mailbag coming up soon. Uh, but for now, we are not doing that. Instead, we are jumping right into a recap of last night's game, and, you know, it was a... Uh, it was a scary one, I guess you could say, in a lot of ways. It was a little scary. It was a little nerve-wracking, but it was still such a great win. The Padres end up getting the W 2-1 to start out the series. Um, you know, first, let's go through some of my observations. Let's talk about some of the lower-key type of stories. First of all, high socks for Manny Machado. Last time I checked, he doesn't wear the high socks. It was a good fit to see. Did it help him out? Not necessarily. It was kind of another whatever game from him. He did hit into another double play, but I have to admit he smoked the ball. And why on earth? I said it before. I'll say it again. Why is Chris Taylor the best defender in the league for some reason? So maybe you could argue Machado got a little bit robbed there, which probably is going to contribute. I didn't look up the updated thing, but it probably contributes more to his BABIP being extremely low and like around like 60 points lower than his usual. So yes, we do deserve some some blame for Machado, but also I. Think think that there is signs that he should be getting better he's getting a little bit unlucky and he would have gone hitless uh if Mookie made an incredible uh catch he didn't end up making it he was so close to making it though um he ended up uh missing it so Machado got the double out of it so from that perspective yeah not the best game for him but not terrible uh he's you know the announcers mentioned he grounded it to 25 around 25 double plays last year which is the most of basically anyone and he's definitely started off this year grounding into a lot of them so hopefully we need to see better but let's be fair it seems like Chris Taylor kind of robbed him there and speaking of Mookie like I just mentioned I heard the announcer saying Mookie has only missed swinging at fastballs this year like whenever he's swung at them he's only missed like five or six times what the heck that's insane I'm not gonna make this the Mookie podcast Yes, there are about 2,700,864 stats you can look up on why Mookie Betts is so good, so I won't do that. Um, in terms of the rest of the offense, first of all, one interesting thing that happened with the lineup yesterday is Profar actually played left field, which was extremely odd to see, and I think it's indicative of the fact that he's been so underperforming, you know what I mean? Fam actually ended up playing uh, DH, and maybe that might be because they don't like Fam playing um, in the outfield as much, and it's... Maybe true. He hasn't looked amazing out there, but he hasn't necessarily made any key critical mistakes. I mean, Christian's made more mistakes than him, and I don't see them moving him around. So that was a little bit odd, but, you know, switching him around, seeing if they can fit him around in different spots, I guess, to maybe improve their potential outfield depth is maybe what they were thinking there. But, again, Profar, once again, a bad game from him. His average on the season is still currently sitting at a, a .130, a lowly .130. He gets, I mean... 
you just can't do what he did yesterday. He does get the walk, which is great, but you can't be getting caught stealing a base when Tatis is up. Look, I love the Padres' aggressiveness this season, and I know it could I could be saying, oh, Profar with the steal, and we would have forgotten about this bottom line as he did get caught, and with the hottest hitter in the league in Tatis up, I feel like that's a type of situation where you stay put, and especially since you don't have the fallback, Mr. Profar, and being able to be like, well, hey, I messed up this one time, but look what I've been doing the rest of the season. No, you can't do that. Will Byers is one of those guys that could have like a four strikeout game, but we could kind of forgive him based on how great his early season performance is, and obviously with Tatis and some of the other stars, right? So that's different. Profar has not been doing anything at the plate, and it stinks because I really want to like this guy. I really do, but he's been bad. Um, Grisham, though, speaking of guys who have been bad, he did get managed to get two walks, and he looked good. He hit one pitch uh, early on in the game that I thought was out for a second. I thought he was hitting it to opposite field. He looked good. Maybe he's starting to break out of this kind of uh, mini slump he was in, but he did get managed to get those two walks, so that was really great to see. And... No, it was not Tatis. No, it was not Machado. No Fam. No Grisham. No Cronenworth, even. It was the clutch hits from Eric Hosmer and a homer from Austin Hedges, which was nuts to see. Uh, that's not exactly how I expected the Padres would win, yet here we are. Hosmer, in limited time this season, has been good for them. I, I, I can't really stress that enough. He, he still seems to be hitting too many balls on the ground. I mean, it just looks like... He just doesn't have any type of carry with the bat, you know, whenever he hits it. So I'm not exactly expecting too much. But you got to look at the results right now. And the results so far have been he's been extremely clutch for the team in limited time. So that's really nice to see. Um, and in terms of the the Dodgers offense, which was the, the interesting thing about the game is, look, Bellinger, look, like I said, nerve-wracking game. Cody Bellinger in the bottom of the eighth inning, right, he had a his pop-out to right field, the way he made contact, the way he swung at that ball, it felt like a homer in that split second. You know what I'm saying? I don't know a lot about how Bellinger has looked so far. I haven't been watching the Dodgers too much this season, but seeing that hit, I swear that that type of swing and that type of contact last year, that was like a home run for him. You know what I'm saying? So it, it feels like it's symbolic, that hit right there, not going out as it usually does um, off of Pagan, right? It really feels like it's been a, it's a sign of just how much he's been kind of struggling and hasn't been that great for them, right? Um, and the most other interesting thing that I noticed was Pomeranz. He ends up getting the close uh, to close out the game instead of Kirby Yates. Tingler commented on kind of an interview afterwards where he said that um, apparently Yates was feeling a little bit a uh, little stiff, so maybe that was why he ended up getting the save. However, heading to into the bat, which was what made me nervous, the announcers mentioned Chris Taylor was 5-for-11 five, five with three home runs against Pomeranz, so I was like, oh, maybe that, yeah, okay, maybe that's what leads credence to why uh, Jace Tingler would want Pomeranz coming in instead, not because uh, he felt like the matchup was better, but more just the fact that uh, Yates might be a little bit, you know, he's got that stiffness or whatever, but then again, maybe I was thinking, hmm, maybe with uh, Lefty Muncy up, maybe Maybe his thought was, I like that matchup against Muncie, who hit 35 home runs last year, and is kind of the only other slugger out of the three. Maybe he was thinking, I'd rather just use Pomerantz against this guy. You know what I mean? Try and use the matchup there, and I'll, I'll take, I'll bite the bullet on, on Chris Taylor. Maybe that's what he's thinking. I don't know for sure. But bottom line is, the pitching was great. Padres' bullpen looked great. And look, 
I mean, Perdermo was expected to go two innings, and the way that first inning was going with the bases loaded and everything, I was like, oh, man, I saw someone tweet, you know, get out the alcohol right now, you know what I mean? And not going to lie, I thought the same too, but it's a great example of why it isn't over till it's over. He goes an inning, he gives up two hits, an earned run, and a walk, no strikeouts on 26 pitches. He was laboring. He can only go the inning, but he doesn't implode. That was the key. And then they put in Matt Strom for two innings. He goes two innings, looked great. Two strikeouts, looked just really in control the whole time. Uh, no hits allowed, no, not even a walk. Cal Quantrill then comes in, who, like I, I said, so kind of preseason and whatnot, this is kind of one of his, uh, it feels like the, the not the, not that the jury isn't you know out on him yet. It's not totally f- uh, for sure, but it felt like this might be one of those make-it-or-break-it type of seasons for him after having a little bit more hype before he made it up to the majors. He looked good, only gave up two hits over three innings and got three strikeouts. Then they put in Stammen, who I was a little bit nervous about, especially since he walked two guys, but he ends up getting out of the jam and also gets a strikeout. Then Emilio Pagan comes in, only needed 10 pitches, and then Drew Pomeranz, of course, to close it out. It was great, but my overall feeling is I felt like the Padres stole that game from the Dodgers. I mean, guys, I literally said at the top of the the top of this uh, thing with the bullpen, Luis Perdermo was our starting pitcher heading to the game. They didn't have a legit actual starter heading into that game. The whole thing for me, I don't know if you guys felt the same way. It felt like a game that was a walk off in the making. It felt like this game where Machado's grinding into the double plays, Tatis. You know, he for once is human. You know, he goes one for four. Ooh, you know, only one for four. I mean, it's still amazing that that guy's able to get on base basically every game this season, right? But still, it's like he looks human. You don't get anything. Uh, Grisham's hits, they don't leave the ballpark. And like I said, Fam and Machado just not coming through as much. Uh, Myers has an 0-4. And Cronenworth goes only one for four. He's not hitting it out of the park. All these guys. And then, and then Profar, for some reason, trying to steal the base. It felt like they were almost begging for them to kind of come back and, and, and take that game away from them, but they didn't. The Dodgers left a ton of runners on base. It felt like the whole game. It felt like Muncie was going to hit something out. When we were in the bottom of the eighth, I was a little bit nervous because Pagan hasn't looked too great this year, but he's still able to deal with the Bellinger-Muncie kind of, you know, all that ridiculous lineup they have. I mean, cheese, Louise. That lineup bottomizes this, and this is why I feel it's a steal. That lineup is too good to leave that many um, runners on base, especially when it's not one of our main starters that are going and a bunch of bullpen, bullpen guys, especially some rather unproven-ish guys in Perdermo and um, Cal Quantrill especially. Um, so yeah, that was, it just, it just felt like a steal guys. I don't know what to say. It felt like a steal. It's a great win. Don't get me wrong. And it's kind of indicative of what I was mentioning yesterday, where these are the type of wins you were kind of expecting the Padres to get preseason. You thought, all right, we're going to have these weird games. We're going to have to rely a lot on the bullpen to make up for our offense. Not totally, you know, bombarding people. And instead it's been the opposite this year, but game against the Dimebacks on Friday and this game felt like the Padres we were kind of expecting. Um, and not that I want it to be this way. Not that I want it to be this way. I want these type of games and the type of games where we're scoring, you know, six home runs. We're getting six home runs in a game from guys like Ty France or even hitting out, right? And I do admit, I will own up to it, guys. I literally talked about on the podcast yesterday that I was uh, pleading for them to start Mejia more. Have to admit, you know, Hedges gets the home run. That's basically ends up being one of the difference makers. So maybe I was wrong on that one, uh, on that call. But I still do think that maybe it was a little bit fluky and whatnot. And, um, you know, I think that they should still be batting uh, Mejia more than Hedges. I don't think that the defensive discrepancies has been large enough to outweigh the potential upside of Francisco Mejia. And last thing I want to say, guys, I have to admit, and people are going to hate me, but I am loving 
watching Dustin May pitch. I mean, he jumps off his leg every time something happens. He ends up going not as dominant as he was against us, obviously, the last time. He was excellent against us last time. Last time, he got three strikeouts, gave up only two runs, and had eight Ks. And the two runs, by the way, were like, it was like on a one pitch. I think it was a home run for Tatis. I, I could be, or no, it was a smoker down the, the left field line, like kind of a laser for him. Or the right field line, I think it was. Kind of a laser. So a little bit, you know, it's not like we were hitting him all that well. This time, he doesn't do quite as good. He gives up five hits, two runs, two walks, and only two strikeouts. But still, I like watching that guy pitch because he's so springy and, like, jittery and, like, kind of crazy almost on the mound. Like, every time someone makes contact, he jumps up like a like Tigger. You know what I mean? It's really fun to actually watch that guy. So I might get some hate for that. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, that's how I felt about that. But you know what doesn't? deserve hate you know maybe you can hate on me for liking a dodger in some way you know what doesn't deserve hate guys that's cbdmd how about that transition for you that's right it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete it doesn't matter if you're justin may jumping around like a kangaroo looking like a maniac but so lovable at the same time or a stay-at-home parent or a schmuck mike like me recording this podcast you need help making it through the day luckily our friends at the aforementioned cbdmd have an amazing duo of topicals that can help you relax regroup and recharge when life gets so chaotic. So let's get into them, shall we? CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. And also CBD Recover, which combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. (laughs) And if you guys are, you know, satisfied by that, if that sounds interesting to you, well, guess what? You're going to like this part even more. To make it even easier, easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else that CBDMD has to offer. They're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKDOWNMLB at checkout. That is right, and that is once again CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKDOWNMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. And guys, now, I didn't tease it at the beginning of the podcast, that was my bad, but I'm in a little bit of a rush now, so I cannot exactly uh, take time to re-record. Guys, I want to talk about quickly some couple of baseball stories that are going around right now that are more general baseball, and that's about Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak's stupidity, and Ramon Laureano and the Astros, you know, kind of asterisk tour that you could call it. First of all, let's talk about Laureano. The news just came out um, that he is being suspended for five games, and Alex Cintron, the hitting coach of the Astros, got 20 games, which is excellent to see. And look, I've said it before. I think here's the thing with the Astros, just to kind of um, kind of like sum this up pretty briefly, almost right in a nice kind of way. I don't I hate that they are acting like and this a lot of this is the fans and some fans that I know. Some fans that I know, I don't want to call them out, but some fans that I know, they're acting like people don't hate the Astros and that it's this us against the world kind of mentality, which is complete horse manure you know what I want to say right it's completely ridiculous they're acting like we just don't like them because they won and that they have a good team when in fact as far as I'm concerned they they had a lovable team I loved the Astros they had such a fun team short king Jose Altuve Bregman this kind of outspoken kind of, kind of energetic guy Carlos Correa Puerto Rican power baby you know all these guys Justin Verlander who finally gets to get a world series title under his belt 
And then it all starts with the signing of Ozuna. You know, you have that thing. And then you have Stephanie Epstein, the reporter who gets those awful comments fired at her by uh, Brandon Taubman, the assistant GM. And then we find out you're cheating and then all that stuff, right? And you're lying about it. And then you have Correa covering up. It's not that. It's not that we didn't like your team. Like I just mentioned, I just went Puerto Rican on you guys. I liked the Astros. I liked George Springer. I loved the man so much. He was so much fun to watch when he was first coming into league. I remember when he was a potential 30-30 guy. Now he just became an all-star superstar slugger in every sense. He does not run on the bases anymore as much. But you you get what I'm saying? This is, it's just nonsense, right? And that's what's been so annoying about this. I'm seeing people being like, yeah, we totally beat up Loriano there. He deserved it. It's like, congratulations, my guy. It was 12 on one. You know what I mean? Like, give me a break with that. Like, I've if I'm going to complain about pitchers being cowards in baseball and throwing at guys from 90 feet away, you know, with a baseball where they got their whole team behind them, then I deserve to, you know, these guys on the... On the Astros, they deserve the same thing. Centrum's barking over and practically begging the guy to come over. And apparently he said something about Loriana's mother, which in, you know, stuff right is not exactly uh, really tolerated and is a very, very, very big offense. I'm not saying that what Loriana did was the right thing, but I just really need to address, guys. The Astros are bringing this on themselves. You know what I mean? I said, la- oh, wow, was it last week or the week before, that I do not like headhunting. I think that it is perfectly reasonable for Carlos Correa to be like, hey, what the heck, man? You're aiming for my skull. You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to shatter my whole body in half with that, basically, right? That could, like, really injure me. That's not something that you go, hmm. But the whole idea of the Astros crying at people being mean to them, that part is a hmm from Joe Kelly, right? But not the, the aiming for the head. This is just like, you're egging it on. You should have coaches who are mentors, who are going to set an example and not do this stuff. The Astros need to be more apologetic. They need to be more reasonable and understand people dislike you guys for actual real reasons you know what i'm saying they actually dislike you for real reasons not frivolous reasons like oh you just guess guys just they hate us because they ain't us you know like that line from the dictator with with uh, james franco and and seth rogan that's not it you know they are not peanut butter and jealous <laughs> so, so dumb i still haven't seen that movie i just know that one bit but that's that's my big issue on that so i think mlb did the right thing suspending syndrome for so long personally i'm all for just banning all the Astros players, especially especially coaches, especially coaches who are supposed to be the voice of reason in the room and kind of, you know, calm things down for you to be egging on Loriano like that. I would have given Loriano like two games as far as I'm concerned, and I would have given this guy like 45. Like, get out of here. We do not need this, especially in pandemic times. You don't want people rubbing up and fighting against each other. You know what I mean? That is not what you want. So, Cintron, you know, good riddance to him. Loriano been so great for the the athletics, by the way, which has been awesome. Really big representative of that culture, I guess, right now because everyone's going to love this dude. And he's just been a really good overall player for the A's. So kind of unfortunate to see that happen considering they are one of the more fun teams in baseball. And I really like them a lot. Watching Chapman, Matt Matt Olson, all these guys. Uh, and, and, and Marcus Simeon, who I think is the most underrated shortstop in the entire league right now, was secretly filthy and disgusting last year. And maybe could have won the MVP, actually, too. Um, so that that's, that's really my thoughts on that, guys. And then another thing I wanted to address was Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak. Look, I just mentioned the 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 pandemic and the epidemic we're going through right now. For you to have these two guys that are going out and just hanging out and and getting back at 3 a.m. Mike Clevenger, yeah, I, I actually, you know what? I don't even want to add anything more. All I really want to say is these guys. I'm not saying they should do this, but I would not feel bad if the Indians or Major League Baseball was like, you know what, you're done. 
if you can't control yourself and just stay in your room and for the sake of and Carlos Carrasco, who's like a leukemia survivor, who's more susceptible to this and could be more vulnerable to this. It's like, oh, I know people in my life who treat this epidemic in a way that's like, hey, man, it's I just got to live my life, man. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I'm going to be socially distanced. It's not about you sometimes. You know what I mean? This American individualism that's going on right now. I don't want to get too political and whatnot. And I feel like I've been ranting a lot on this episode. So I'm going to calm down a little bit. I'm a little bit energized. I'm a little bit speaking a little bit fast. You know what I mean? Um, But (laughs) there's a a lot of my mind, I guess. It's just so infuriating to see that it wasn't just police. It's Clevenger too. And that also sucks just for uh, a baseball perspective because the Indians rotation has been so awesome, so filthy this year. I'm just, I'm furious seeing that. It is this kind of attitude that people do not care. It is not that you might get hurt. Or sick. It will be that too, and it's not necessarily guaranteeing that you'll die. That is not the issue. It's just that you might pass it along to someone who isn't as, you know, Emino not compromised. I can't couldn't think of the word right there. That's my issue with that. So Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak should be ashamed. Boo them as much as you want. That's awful. And it's it's terrible to see that there are teams in Major League Baseball taking full um fully seriously all the protocols needed to kind of make sure that the season keeps going. And look at the Cardinals right now. You know what I mean? They just got their series against... That was supposed to be on Thursday postponed. So who knows if the Cardinals ever play a game again. You know what I mean? It's just... It, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, guys. So Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger, I'm no fans of, of theirs. Um, but to end the podcast on a kind of lighter note, tonight, really excited for the game. We got Richards going up against Ross Strimpling. Um, like I said, I really think Richards' is 4.6 ERA does not tell the full story. I do think he's looked okay. He's had a little bit of bad luck, but I still think that... He's been okay, and I think for a third or fourth kind of starter in that area, he is a pretty good ad for the team, so I know people might not be as overjoyed in that. I'm a little bit confident in it, and hey, if the bullpen can get uh, be as dominant as it was yesterday, and if the Dodgers can... Hopefully, even with Mookie, not bat too well, hopefully we can get another W tonight. Like I said, what I was really looking for the most was of the uh, to be able to split the series against the Dodgers and just show that we're competitive against them, as we did last series. You know, as we did a week ago, we showed that we were competitive. We are not getting blown out in games. The worst game that the Pirates have had so far was against Colorado. Colorado, by the way, who have, who have been awesome this year. I mean, they're just hitting on all cylinders, right? So, uh, congrats to them, all right? But whatever. Um, with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, wherever. Follow the show or myself on Twitter or the Locked On Podcast Network Twitter account. Um, You guys will see me tweeting that probably for sure. Um, Go send some nice reviews on iTunes if you'd like. And, of course, until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. 